Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. I feel like TCU fans understand this, but I want to share this with everybody today because there's been a lot of talk about TCU and their luck with injuries. But we know this. We just need to reiterate this. This is a legitimately good TCU football team. We'll talk about that next on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked On Horn Frogs were brought to you today by Sling TV. Uh, a quick note before we get going I do want to encourage everyone if you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe on the YouTube channel. That's a great way to get the videos right to you. Um, we're creeping up on 200 subscribers, so keep subscribing. I appreciate that. Also, if you're just ingesting this via the audio format, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Locked on Horn Frogs is the show. So there's been a discussion that really the, the momentum, I guess, has been gaining for a couple of weeks now, but it, it started to take hold with the Kansas State win. And I saw it a lot across social media. Uh, Josh Neighbors, who I hope to have on the show either Wednesday or Thursday, was talking about this. Um, earlier this week on Locked On Big 12, people have suddenly noticed, like TCU has won four straight games against four ranked opponents, Kansas, or excuse me, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. Of course, Oklahoma and Kansas are no longer ranked. Both of them have kind of fallen back to earth a little bit. But still, 4-0 in Big 12 play in the driver's seat towards the Big 12 championship game. And this is what happens when you're good. People start trying to discredit and pick apart what you've done. And so there's this belief out there that one reason TCU is in the position they are is because there have been a ton of injuries to their opponents. Oh, you lost Dylan Gabriel. Uh, Kansas lost um, Jalen Daniels. Oklahoma State had a banged-up Spencer Sanders in Kansas State. Uh, of course, lost Adrian Martinez. Then Will Howard, Jake Rubley, their third-string quarterback, had to play at one point in the game. Well, let me say this definitively. This is a great, a really good, I could argue, great TCU team. We'll see how it plays out over the next few weeks. One of our more recent listeners, or I don't know how long he's been listening, but he's frequently been commenting. Um, hey, Seuss, I appreciate your comments on YouTube, man. Uh, he's been telling me lately, like, listen, man, this is this team's going thirteen zero. You need to you need to make uh, have faith. You need to have belief. And I love that. I love you telling me that, Hey, Seuss. I appreciate that. Um, I'm not quite there. I, I would love for them to go 13-0. I think it's possible that they run the table. I have some concerns. My main concern is that they're playing 10 games in 10 weeks. That's that's just me tough. And then, I mean, there's some tough games here down the stretch at Texas, at Baylor, and some tricky road trips to West Virginia. Um, Iowa State at home. Um, Texas Tech at home. So those are all games that you could get tripped up on. But I feel really good about whether the way they're playing right now. But back to the injury discussion. And I know I don't have to run this down for fans, but I'm going to. Yes, Oklahoma did lose Dylan Gabriel. TCU was up 31-10 to 10 in that game when that happened. And they were rolling, and it did not look like Oklahoma was going to gain their footing. Now, could you argue if he stays in the game, maybe the offense starts to figure it out? Sure. But it's not like the Oklahoma defense was stopping TCU that day. I mean, even in the second half, they were still putting up big plays. The only reason they didn't score 60 points in that game is because they took their foot off the gas. Next week against Kansas. Yeah, Jalen Daniels went down. 
Um, TCU held him to three points in the first half. They did a nice job on Jalen Daniels. Now, uh, Jason Bean came in and threw the ball around and kind of tore them up, but they were able to get enough stops to win that football game. Spencer Sanders, we still don't know how banged up Spencer Sanders was. Uh, that was the rumor before the game. There were some throws where it appeared that, you know, he wasn't fully healthy. But injuries are part of football. We're not going to like – like if you play the game, I respect Spencer Sanders for playing. Playing through pain is is part of it. That's an admirable job by him. If he's in his last season as a fifth-year senior and he's toughing it out with a bad shoulder, good for him. Like that's fantastic. I have a ton of respect for him. He's a great player. But if you're on the field, then you're healthy enough to play. So I'm going to, you know, rate you as I would if you were at full health. I don't know the extent of the injury. It could have affected him. But TCU was down 24-7 in that game, and they rallied back, and they won in double overtime. The defense held Oklahoma State to six points in the second half after OSU had jumped all over them, excuse me, in the first half. They made adjustments. They found a way. They pressured Spencer Sanders. They stopped the run all game. They did a great job against Dominic Richardson, and they chipped away and chipped away took back the lead or tied it in regulation and then won the game in OT. Against Kansas State, yeah, Adrian Martinez went down on the first drive. And he's been a really good player for K-State this year. And I know Kansas State also had injuries on defense. But this is part of the game. There's like it, It's a fluky thing. You still have to win the football games. TCU was still down 28-10 to 10 against K-State. Didn't look like there was a lot of hope. You know, that K-State got a fourth down stop. They got the ball back about midfield midway through the second quarter. And if they go down and score a touchdown on that drive, they capitalize on that short field, and they score a TD with Will Howard playing QB, and they go 35-10 before halftime. At worst, they're probably up 35-17 at halftime. I think that game is probably over, to be honest with you. That didn't happen. The defense made a stop when they needed to. And then they shut out K-State the rest of the game. And, yes, it did help that Jay Grubley played on two important possessions, their third-string QB. He didn't seem, you know, to – to have a full grasp of the offense, which obviously is not going to. He's not going to get those reps in practice. But TCU is a good football team. Their offense has been elite all year. They have consistently been good all year long. They score points. The defense, yeah, it's been kind of inconsistent. It's been up and down. But they've gotten the job done. And they found a way. They found a way on the road against Kansas. The day that college game day was there, took their best shot, won in overtime. Or not in overtime, won at the end of regulation. Oklahoma State had a sizable lead. And, I mean, if Spencer Sanders has a healthy shoulder, they win that game? I don't know. But I know what happened on the field that day. TCU won. If Adrian Martinez is full go, does K-State win that game? Who knows? He played one possession. And honestly, Will Howard looked really good for a stretch. Maybe they do. But we can't say that. Like, there's some K-State people are definitively saying, like, oh, man, K-State's the better team. Well, maybe they'll meet up in Arlington and we'll see. Cody Stovall from Locked On Pokes, he's been tweeting at me. I haven't really responded. I'm just kind of saving the tweets. He's been tweeting at me almost every, like, multiple times a week. Uh, he, He just thought OSU beating Texas would prove that they were better than TCU. He feels like they're the better team than TCU. I'm sure a lot of Oklahoma State fans feel that way right now. Great. If we play each other in Arlington, we'll find out. But right now, TCU 7-0. They found a way to win games. And, yeah, they benefited from the injury bug a little bit, but they've also 
And so they've given themselves a chance. Sorry if the connection's blipping out here and you're getting like a purple background. Um, we'll try to power through this. Bottom line is frogs are getting the job done. And you are what your record says you are to a certain extent. So we'll see how that plays out over the next five weeks. Uh, before we go any further, I do want to mention LinkedIn Jobs. You know LinkedIn. Everybody does. It's one of the biggest names in the job creation industry. Um, if you have to hire people for your business, it's a high stake wager, right? Like you have to be 100% certain that you're getting the best candidates, that, you're sh- that your business has access to the best talent pool. So use LinkedIn Jobs. Why? Well, because everybody uses LinkedIn. They, it's the easiest way to cast a wide net. It's simple. It's free. You can add your job. Uh, to their board, and it's going to find the most qualified folks. They also have simple screening questions that help you narrow down what you need, the type of talent that you need, the people you need to find. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash college. All right, in segment two, I want to discuss, um, Matt Jennings and I had a discussion on Monday just about the team, the season, the win over K-State. And Matt said something um, that, I don't know if it caused controversy, but there were some comments on the YouTube video, and so I wanted to respond to some of it. He said he thought the secondary was, the TCU secondary was the weakest part of this football team. Now let me say this. When we're talking about weak links on this football team, um, it's still a pretty good unit because obviously they're undefeated, they're winning all these games, they're finding ways to get it done. But um, one of our frequent listeners, Byron Bailey, he said, I think it's low-hanging fruit to say the secondary is the weakest position group on the defense. They have the largest group in terms of guys on the field and most responsibility. He honestly believes they're the best group. He thinks there's literally no pass rush, and they have to cover longer, and they're also responsible in run support. Their jobs are thankless, as they're the last line of defense. If a D lineman or linebacker misses their assignment, all is forgiven because the secondary is expected to save them, make the play in the back end. Um, and he goes on to make some more points. Um, but sorry, Byron, that's that's a long comment. I appreciate it. I just paraphrased a little bit there. He mentioned Travis Hodges Tomlinson is back there making plays. Also, uh, Jacob Langford said, I think the pass rush is weakest too by far. THC is making plays out there when he's not pushed off. He's seen three or four offensive PIs on him this year. That were no calls. So let me address some of that. One, Byron, you sound like you might have played DB back in the day. I had a co-host um, when I was in radio named uh, your boy Q. Well, that's what he called himself on the radio, and he's now in Vegas covering the Raiders and does an outstanding job. He hosts Lockdown Raiders. But anyway, he used to say all the time DBs win games because he was a defensive back um, during his playing days. And, yes, defensive back is a very important position. It's one of those positions on the football field where it's super noticeable if you blow your assignment. Because if you're in man-to-man coverage and you get beat, everybody on the field knows it, and it's either going for a big gain or going for a touchdown. So it's just – it's an obvious, like, oh, that was a mistake, right? Um, the defensive line, yes. I think the defensive line has had their struggles this year. I would say they're not a great pass rushing unit. Um, part of that is they're frequently rushing three, especially early in the game. They're They have three pass rushers. And those three guys are not getting consistent pressure. Now, to a certain extent, you're not expecting that, right? Like you're dropping eight back in zone or you're dropping eight back in coverage and you're trying to create coverage sacks. You're trying to make the quarterback impatient. You're trying to force mistakes by the opposing QB. 
You're not necessarily lighting up the QB with pressure all the time. Um, I think these corners, Travis Hodge Thompson and Josh Newton, I think they are good in man coverage. You know, THT is your prototypical GP corner, which means he's on an island a lot of the time. That's where he thrives. He's trying to be physical. He's trying to press guys. He's trying to grab at guys. Um, he has good footwork. And I think as the year has gone on, he's gotten better and better. I feel like part of my issue with the secondary is that I just have such high – I had such high expectations for them going into the season, like especially the corner spot. And I think as the year has progressed – that's it's gotten better. It's gotten more, um, more to the level that I expected. Even though some of the guys that I thought were going to ha- have big time snap counts and be big time contributors have not. Josh Newton has emerged as a transfer and took that starting job. He's gotten picked on some. I think to a certain extent, that's just you're probably not going to pick on THT because he's the number one corner. So you try to exploit the guy on the other side. And when he's been left manned up, he's won some of the battles and he's lost some of the battles. My problem is I just think there's been too many blown coverages. And when you're playing eight guys in coverage, and I realize this just, just is not exclusively on the secondary because you also have linebackers dropping in coverage. But when you have eight guys in, in playing zone, right, or just dropping into coverage, there shouldn't be this many blown assignments. There's just too many guys running free. On Saturday, Will Howard made some nice throws. I also do believe if Josh Newton is able to come down with that pick on that second drive of the game when TCU's up 7-0, maybe the game goes differently. Like if TCU jumps out to a 10-0 lead, even if K-State rips off a couple scores, it's still a closer football game, and possibly it doesn't take as long for the Frogs to kind of stabilize and get back into it. Or maybe they don't even give up you know, three straight scoring drives if, if they can make stops. There's just been so many third and longs. And, yes, the two units work hand-in-hand, hand, right? Like the defensive line has to get pressure. The secondary has to cover. But there's just been too many blown assignments in the secondary for my liking. Now, that being said, they stepped up and they played great in the second half, and they have not had a bad 60 minutes all year. Like, they've had some bad halves. They've had some bad moments. But they've they found a way to get it done. And I think that speaks to the talent on that group, the mental toughness of that group. You have to have a short memory as a corner, a safety, and they've done that well. And getting Nuke Bradford back at safety, I I feel like he's going to help this team if and when he's available. I know he hasn't been practicing really the last few weeks. That'll do it for Locked on Horn Frogs today. We'll continue coverage of TCU and West Virginia as the week goes on. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 